welcome everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the HockeyThinkTank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. And the timing of this episode is unreal as this guy had a pretty significant week in the NHL. We are bringing on Boston Bruins forward Trent Frederick onto the podcast. Trent grew up in the St. Louis area. He was a first round draft pick for the Boston Bruins, went to play at the US NTDP, went to play two years at the University of Wisconsin before signing with the Bruins. And uh, now he's you know, one of the most loved people in Boston, probably not one of the most loved people in Washington, but that's all right. He's playing his role to the best of his ability. And this was a fantastic conversation. Uh, Before we do get over to Freddie, let's bring on the talent of the podcast and Trent Frederick's trainer, Jeff Lavecchio. Vex, you got to be pretty pumped for your boy there. I feel like I'm all hopped up on Mountain Dew. (laughs) Yeah, man. I'm absolutely stoked seeing that he scored last night, seeing that unbelievable goal, and then uh, watching him do his thing against Wilson again last night, sticking up for a teammate. Couldn't love this kid more. Man, like, what a week this guy's had. What a week this guy's had, like from playing the Capitals, obviously. First of all, last week or a couple weeks ago, scores his first NHL goal at the uh, the outdoor game at Lake Tahoe, which was a snipe, by the way. Absolute Hype. snipe. Then going against uh, going against the Capitals and uh, what happened with Ovechkin where he tossed the gloves and then, nah, it's Ovechkin, not going to fight Ovechkin. And then just getting into his grill, getting into his grill, Ovechkin cup checks him and uh, gets a $5,000 fine, obviously doing his job, being an agitator out there. Then the next game playing against Washington, Tom Wilson, you know, he uh, hits Carlo up high, brutal hit. You know, the, those don't belong in our game, stands up for him. And this was after fighting Tom Wilson a couple weeks ago when I uh, basically changed the tide for the team. And, and they, I would say they won because of that fight. So, man, has he had a couple awesome weeks, just unbelievable timing getting him on the podcast here this week and uh, just really, really cool stuff. Yeah, and you missed another one of his goals. His second goal, uh, I believe, it came against the Rangers about a week ago. So in the last two weeks or so, he's scored three goals, you know, had the thing with Ovechkin, fought Wilson twice. Like he's on fire, man. And he, and he wears GMBM like it's his job. So I couldn't, <laughs> love, the, couldn't love the guy anymore. <laughs> oh God, that's funny. What a week. It's so funny. Like, so we recorded on Thursday this week and all the stuff with Ovechkin happened on, uh, on Wednesday and just unbelievable timing that, that, that came up and, and it, what a fun conversation too. I mean, it's always fun when we get people on that we're close with, you're obviously very close with him getting the chance to train him the last couple of years. And, um, you know, it, it just, what a good dude, you know, like, what a great dude and, and Boston. And we talked about it on the podcast. They've, they've built that organization and that roster based on good dudes. And uh, it's not a secret why they've been so successful. We're big culture guys on here and just getting the chance to talk to him and seeing what he's done in, uh, in the NHL since he's been called up. I mean, it's uh, again, like it's, it's no secret why Boston's doing what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like there are very, you know, obviously we're, we're partial, but I, I feel like there aren't too many bad people in hockey. 
Um, and there's, there's so many good people with good values and good morals and just, just, you know, shirt off your back type people. But like, I'm not kidding you literally watch Trent Frederick, give the shirt off his back to someone in my gym. (laughs) They forgot their workout clothes, but man, he, he literally, like, I'm not even kidding you. He's one of the best humans I have ever met. I have ever worked with. I've ever been around. Um, some of the stories that, you know, I, I, I can't even tell, or I won't even tell that I've been told about him and his character. Um, things that like, he probably doesn't want people to know that he's done for others. Are, it's literally like, it's absolutely insane. And, uh, you know, it starts with this family at home. Um, you know, I trained Mr. Frederick, his dad, and, and to Trent's uncles, I call them the silver foxes during the hockey season when I'm not as busy. Uh, I have the silver foxes come in twice a week. They're just a badass group of you know, uh, successful, unbelievable human beings who we just have fun with and we work on keeping them healthy. And um, it's been so exciting having them in this year, especially getting to talk about Trent and what he's doing uh, during their workouts. And, um, you know, I, I can't say enough about the Frederick family, his brother Grant, who is the reason Trent trains with me. Grant was playing at Miami of Ohio. Uh, he only played one game his junior year um came to me that summer and was like you know i i want to stay at miami i want to make a go of it i want to change i want to do this stuff i want to start training with you i heard about you whatever so he started training with me and within a month he told trent hey you need to start training with vex so so that's how trent started training with me and also his agent uh al Wan, jeff boston of Wasp sports group rsg they told him he should train with me and ever since then, you know, it's kind of been a match made in heaven. I absolutely love the kid and he's ran through a wall for me and all of it's paying off with, with all the work that he's done in the past. And you see how successful he is now. And he's just a savage dude. I love the guy. <laughs> I, the more and more that I am in hockey, the more and more I feel like the saying that apple doesn't fall far from the tree is so true. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I, having coached at Miami, and uh, I didn't coach Grant, but have heard about him from the guys that were there when they recruited him and everything. I mean, it's same things that you're saying about Trent, they say about Grant and, and the family and stuff. So um, really, really cool. Really, really cool. And um, the other thing we should actually talking about families, RIP Walter Gretzky, man. RIP Walter Gretzky. He, uh, you know, obviously Wayne Gretzky is an icon and the greatest player of all time. And, and, you know, the, the records that he's broken and and the ambassador he's been for the game has, has done, he's done more for the game than anybody else. And, you know, Walter was a huge fixture is that he was always around. And, and it's funny after he passed all of the stories that come out on social media uh, about him, just quietly going around and helping people out and being a great guy. And, I, um, I remember actually, I I feel like everybody's got a Walter Gretzky story, but I remember when I was like a peewee, we had a tournament up in Toronto and we were playing against the Brantford 99ers and Wayne Gretzky's from Brantford, Ontario. And Walter Gretzky was just like randomly helping out a peewee team. (laughs) And so we played against them and and I had a pretty good game, I guess. And, and so Walter came up to me after the game and said, Hey, like, I really loved watching you play, like keep up the great work. And, And I obviously knew it was Walter. And, but like, that's the stuff that he did and, and all the stories coming out, just these random acts of kindness and God in this world right now, where it's just so much negativity, uh, wherever you see, like it's, it's people like that, that actually make an impact and, and just very, very cool. So just in talking about the Fredericks and their family and, and the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I just I wanted to say that story because, uh, you know, as, as much of as, of a, uh, 
of a legend that Wayne was. He, he's not where he is without Walter and his upbringing and, and uh, having him fall in love with the game. So RIP. 100% man. It's, it's, that's such a cool story. And since we're talking about Trent, it, it reminds me like I, I'm constantly trying to tell my pro guys and college guys and even junior guys, like if you can go to a little kid's practice, like every now and then like go to it, like, especially a guy like Trent who's in the NHL. I had two NHL guys that I trained. We were, we were doing some sprints outside uh, towards the end of the off season here, this last off season, the second Corona off season, I guess it would be. Um, and, uh, there was a bunch of little kids who, uh, work with my company with a different trainer, um, sitting outside. And I went up to the two guys and one of them's definitely more of a shy guy, more of an introvert. And I was like, Hey boys, like you see this group of kids here. Like I know who they are. I know they got a game right now. If you go up and just say something, introduce yourself, like you will make their day. And the one guy who's shy, I knew he wouldn't want to. He, he was like, ah, you know, I'm weird about that. So he goes inside and Trent's like, yeah, Vex, come on, let's go. So we go over there and I'm like, hey guys, how's it going? And the kids go nuts. And I'm like, I don't know if you know who this is. This is one of my guys, Trent Frederick, plays for the Boston Bruins, blah, blah, blah. Trent sat there for five minutes, talked to him, answered a couple questions. The kids were on cloud nine. They went absolutely bonkers. They went out. They, they smoked the other team. I got a text that I totally forgot that this happened. So did Trent. I get a text that night from the coach from, and it's like a text chain of like a bunch of parents saying like the kids were so excited to meet the Bruins player. The kids were so excited to meet Trent. Like he made their day. They all said that the reason they won is because Trent is their good luck charm. And it, you know, it was just so cool that, you know, he took five minutes out of his day. It wasn't a big deal to, to, to him, but it was to those kids and they still remember it. I went gave them a speech yesterday they were at the rink when I was working and they gave them a little speech and you know they, they won again yesterday and you know they say the same kind of things and I'm, it's everything we talk about like give back you know here he is in the middle of his workout and he stops and takes three to five minutes to talk to a bunch of little kids he's never met he, he you know he'll never see again probably and he made their day so I just hope anyone listening to this thinks about those things and and do what Walter Gretzky did do what Trent Frederick did this summer go out of your way uh to go to a practice to stop and talk to some kids to say hey you did a great job I love what you did out there because it might not mean anything to you but it will mean the world to them and it's something that that will change you know their day their week their month Amen. And it doesn't even have to be an NHL player, right? Yeah. It'd be anyway. like a midget player <laughs> going right. over. It's uh, yeah, I, I, that's man. That's so cool. I love hearing stories like that. Um, so, so cool. Uh, one thing I did want to talk about before we head over and, and do our drill and, and then get over to Trent here is I, I find it really interesting. We talk on this podcast all the time, and this is for a lot of the coaches out there on how important it is to teach versatility in, in hockey and a versatile skill set, Right. And like, you know, Trent's a kid who grew up in St. Louis, got coached by Jeff Brown and you guys will hear him talk about his youth hockey experience. And, and, uh, and one of the, re- like they had five first round draft picks from St. Louis <laughs> in one draft, you know, and it's, it's, it, it's really interesting to hear how Jeff Brown went about his coaching style and what he was implementing and stuff. But, you know, Freddie, he was a, a kid that went from, you know, all these points in midget hockey, then he goes to the national program, plays a little bit more of a third line, fourth line checker role. Then he goes to the University of Wisconsin, becomes a first line player again and, and is one of the leading scorers on the team. Then he signs with Boston and now he's playing the agitator third, fourth line role again. And so like as a coach, 
it's so important, I think, that you're teaching your kids how to play different roles and teaching them how to be versatile hockey players. Because if Trent Frederick was treated like a first-line player all the way up, and he was allowed to be lax defensively. And, you know, I'm for him, he's a kid that's going to compete either way, but there are certainly a lot of coaches that don't demand their top players compete because you know, they don't want to get into them because they want them to produce offense and stuff. You know, it's uh, it, without the, the, the versatility to his game, he's not playing in Boston right now. Like I don't, he's not playing in Boston right now. And I think there's other kids where it's the other way where we write them off so early as defensive players in peewee, you know, they're not a first line. So we like, okay, you're just going to penalty kill. You're not going to play on the power play. And your job is to chip pucks in and go four check. Like at such a young age, when there are kids who just need to get out of that and they have what it takes, you just got to let them play, you know? And so I feel like both ways, you know, for the offensive gifted kids, you got to make them, you know, care about playing a team game and you got to make them care about competing and all the things that can help you because there's only so many players when you get to higher levels that can play in those roles. And if you're not a versatile player, you're screwed. Um, but the other way too, like you have to let your, your let's call them your, your bottom half players from a talent standpoint, maybe they just, something clicks with them. At so you got to let them play. You got to let them produce offense. And so I just think, you know, Trent's a great testament to just a versatile player and his upbringing and what he was taught throughout his his you know minor hockey junior hockey um journey you know it's funny that that we're talking about this because um do you remember christian hansen played for tri-city and then he yeah, played oh, yeah. Dame. his dad Anthony. is one of the hansen brothers <laughs> from Slapshot. um we, we just recently started following each other on instagram and he messaged me like two days ago and he was like hey you know i love what you're doing like trying to help help people, uh, hockey players and people, whatever, on Instagram. We started talking and we started kind of going over because we battled in juniors for three straight years and then we battled in college for three years and then we played against each other in the American League, you know. So, like, I don't know him, but I, I feel like I know him. And oh, for sure. With, yeah. You know, he's buddies with Matt Claxon, who's one of my best friends from hockey, and they're really good. We got to get know, Clacker so. on the podcast at some point. <laughs> His high voice might hurt <laughs> the speakers, but, yes, we should because wow, what a story he is, too. And, you know, sign NHL deal and, and like, wow, like 50, 50 fights, 40 fights his first year in the American League, something crazy like that. Yeah. But anyways, Hanson and I were talking. We're like, you know, isn't it wild to look back at all the guys through juniors, our three years, and then college, our three years, and the AHL, three, you know, however many years we played against each other, and looking at the guys who, you know, had great careers, who probably fulfilled their potential, guys who um, maybe – overachieved from what we thought they'd be in juniors. And then the guys who were nasty in juniors who didn't make it to college or were nasty in college, but couldn't really convert that to professional success. And we were talking about all the different things that we noticed throughout all of our years of playing against each other, like who made it, who didn't and why and body language that came into it and personality and coachability and, and all of these things. And I, you know, just thinking about Trent Frederick and talking about all these intangibles and him not only playing that first line role, his whole life has helped him get there. And, and all these things that he learned about, you know, probably when he was going through it at USA playing fourth line, he's probably thinking, what the hell? Like I, in St. Louis, I was the best player. Like why, you know, like those things are hard, but those hard times are what make you, you by the end of it. They're what make you successful. And he embraced it too. It wasn't yeah. like a poor me. Um, you know, I'm not getting what I deserve. It's like, all right, this is what my team needs for us to be successful. 
And he went out and he did it and he did it to the best of his ability. And, and then, you know, he went to Wisconsin and ripped it up offensively. <laughs> you, you know how many times I heard him over the last two summers say like, oh, Boston doesn't care about me or Boston shit on me or I'm not playing because of so-and-so or someone zero. There is not one time. I, and I hear a lot, a lot of pro guys who aren't oh God, yeah. first line show guys, even guys in the show are, are upset about the situation. I have never heard Trent Frederick complain. He came in every day. He showed up earlier and earlier as the, t- the years have gone on and done more and more to battle his ass off, to make it to where he is right now. And he's having so much success. People in Boston are loving him. Why Barstool Sports made a shirt for him. I mean, Barstool Sports has a shirt called the Trent Frederick Fight Club. Like, come on, Freddie. (laughs) Let's go. Oh, so cool. So cool. And and, uh, and how about that video? What was it a couple years ago when he got into a fight? I don't know if his first NHL game or whatever, but his dad's in the stands and his dad's going nuts when he fights. And he's like, come on, get him. (laughs) Oh, just unreal. Bob Frederick. A is an absolute legend. B an absolute beauty. And I put that video on in the gym all the time. Like if, <laughs> if I have like somebody new coming in, I'm like, Oh, have you met Mr. Frederick? And they don't know Bob. Um, I'm like, well, here you go. Here's Bob's cool. And I put it up on the TV and it's Bob cheering for Trent's first <laughs> fight and going nuts. And, uh, just a Boston legend. And he's, you know, he's just somebody's dad. It's pretty, pretty badass. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, let's get over to Freddie. Before we do, um, want to thank our sponsors. First sponsor, icehockeysystems.com. And in memoriam of Walter Gretzky, in his honor, wanted to talk about one of my favorite drills. And that's the, I call it the Gretzky game. And uh, so obviously Wayne Gretzky revolutionized the game with being able to play behind the net. Uh, he was one of the first players to, to really make that a thing, if that's what you want to call it. And uh, so this game, and I'm sure a lot of people have done this one already, but it's a cross ice uh, two on two small area game where you have two players on each team in, uh, in front of the nets, so in the middle, and then you have two players, you move the nets out from the boards a little bit, you have two players from each team behind the nets as well. So if there's a white team and a black team, you know, you have the two white players in the middle, and then you have the two white players behind the black goalie, um, behind their net, and then the black team, you have two black players in the middle and the two black players behind the white goalie. And so you flip a puck in and it's a two on two, um, but you can use either of the two players behind the net as well. So again, the two players, so it's really like a kind of like a four on two and those players behind the net have to stay behind the net and the two players in the middle have to, um, you know, try and get open. And I think there's a couple really good um, aspects to this game, both offensively and defensively. Offensively, it's all about when you're in the middle, once you get the puck to the players behind the net and you don't have to use them if you don't want to, like if it's a breakaway, you can go ahead and, and, and shoot. But once the puck goes to one of those guys behind the net, it's about getting open. You got to push off with your stick, you know, and, and get to an area and find some space. You got to maybe throw some picks in the middle with the two guys that are in there so you can find some space. And then, you know, the guys behind the net, you have to find a way to get the puck to those guys in front, which, uh, you know, when you're coming out of a corner battle, finding a guy in a soft area, finding the little, soft area is so so important nowadays so uh offensively really big part to that trail defensively you have to know where your guy is at all time it's you, you really have to focus in on shoulder checking because you have to know where the puck is and you have to know where your guy is all the time and so you want to be a stick length away so you can jam a pass if the puck does get to them and so i just think it's a really good game on puck support uh i like to throw in there you can only hold on to the puck for maybe one or two seconds so it really forces the guys without the puck in the middle to have to move because 
they have to get to support. And if the, somebody holds onto the puck for one or two seconds, blow the whistle, boom, give the puck to the other team. And so really, really good game in honor of Walter Gretzky, the Gretzky game. Try it in your practices. If you haven't already, it's uh, it's a fun one. I love that. And, you know, when I was younger, I didn't love drills like these because I didn't know how to keep my head on a swivel. And uh, they forced me to learn that, which was a massive, massive skill for me. And as you get older, you know, when you're in the defensive zone, like your head always has to be in a swivel. You got to find your guy, find the puck, find your guy, find the puck. Where's the net? Stay between them or whatever defensive scheme you're playing. So when you could start doing these things when you're younger, coaches who are, you know, coaching a little bit of younger ages, these drills are invaluable because everyone knows how to play offense. And this is going to work on the offense. For me, this was the drill was a great drill for me to learn how to play in my D zone. And, and it was massive for me. Yeah. Awesome game. Awesome game. And uh, Gretzky. Gotta Gretzky. love it. Gotta Gretzky. love it. Uh, so yeah, Gretzky game, check it out. Go to icehockeysystems.com. They have a video on there. We'll throw a video up on social media next week of it as well. I uh, want to thank gel sticks, our title sponsor, go to gelsticks.com, G E L S T X.com for your weighted training sticks. And if you use the discount code, think tank, one word, you get a nice little discount on those weighted training sticks. Awesome. Awesome guys. Awesome company. Want to thank train heroic, uh, Jeff's training app. So Vex, I know, you know, you're working with guys on, on train heroic right now. How's that going? It's unreal, man. Uh, I, thanks for the, for the layup, by the way. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's been going on real. Like, like I've talked about before, I have uh, three junior teams. I've been the strength coach for all season long this year, which has been uh, very successful, great feedback from the coaches and the owners of those junior teams in the USHL and, and out on the East coast. So that's been super fun. And I started something called the train with me program where I'm now allowing anyone who wants a challenge uh, more of for people who aren't athletes, ex athletes, or people who just like working out parents who want to learn how to work out, train more efficiently, more effectively, safer, all these types of things. Um, they're my actual workouts that I'm letting anyone do. Uh, and I'm trying to grow that team as big. And I have a lot of hockey parents doing it that want to learn how to work out themselves so they can help their younger kids teach them stuff better because every exercise comes with a video of me demonstrating and coaching how to do everything. Um, so that's been super exciting. So any parents out there or anybody who's looking for a challenge in the gym, um, join my train with me team. You can just go to, uh, uh, train heroic marketplace look up uh, jeff lavecchio or ripped hockey and you can find them or dm me on instagram if you have questions but it's been super super fun for me to work with all of these people now who are learning how to train more like an athlete and it's really cool hearing how their lives have been elevated so that's been super exciting and hope anybody listening if you have any questions just dm me and first week is free on the app too so no reason not to get juiced get her done baby get her done i like it <laughs> Um, all right. Well, let's head over to Trent Frederick. This was such a fun conversation, a big, big week for him last week and, uh, God, so happy for him. Vex, so proud of him. Um, so without further ado, let's head it on over to Trent Frederick's fight club. We are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast. He's out this is the second one in a row, Boston, Massachusetts. Trent Frederick. Trent, how you doing today, man? Yeah, how are you? Doing well, doing well. So, before we start, 
because of what happened last night with Ovechkin, Trent, I got to ask, how is your ding-dang doing? <laughs> it's all good. It's in check. <laughs> It's it's yeah. in one piece still. You got the twig and the berries. They're, they're all there. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, it's, it's, everything's good. <laughs> Love to hear it. Good to hear it. All right, yeah. Tove, go ahead. Oh, I like it. Well, hey, Trent, uh, we're excited to have you on, man. And, and uh, you know, we're so – I know Jeff's so proud of you with – you know, everything that you've been able to accomplish here over the last little bit and obviously getting the chance to play up with the Bruins right now to fulfill a lifelong dream. It's awesome. But what we like to do with all the people that we bring on is kind of take it way back. And, you know, you and Jeff, Jeff, you know, I can't get him to shut up about St. Louis every time we, you know, we talk on the podcast and stuff, even though we kick the crap out of them, us Chicago guys growing up. <laughs> um, but I uh, got the chance to uh, grow up in, uh, in the Lou. What was that like? And uh, how did you get into introduced into this great game of hockey um yeah i mean st louis everyone who's from there who's lived there knows how great it is um and uh we're starting to become a hockey town for sure uh with guys like jeff leading the way so um but how i got into hockey is my older brother grant or my uh three years old me grant uh started playing and then i think i just kind of followed along and followed his footsteps so i would say he's the one that got me into it. i think we played like shinny shinny hockey or knee hockey growing up and then from there's uh, skates and all that good stuff. So nice. Well, I, I I got the chance to watch both you and Grant play when I was coaching in college, and I have to imagine from watching the two of you guys that it got pretty competitive in the Frederick household with whatever you guys were doing, whether it was playing cards or video games or, or shinny in the basement or whatever. Do you attribute a lot of kind of your success and your competitiveness to to growing up in that kind of house? Yeah, I mean, it was it was uh, for sure. Like we had the unfinished basement with the little little hockey rink that we got some wooden boards put in. So um, I give a lot of credit to Grant. Uh, we we're three years apart, so sometimes some age gaps were uh, tougher for me competing against them. But yeah, it was. Uh, I give all the credit probably to him, really. So. Oh, if they have the grossest like little mini rink in their basement, like he didn't do a justice whatsoever. Like we I went over there during, uh, during didn't always look like that. Oh, okay. Well now it's, it's like a little yeah. half rink. Like it's absolutely disgusting, but Trent, something that we ask a lot of the guys who make it to the highest levels who have an older brother, like you kind of touched on it, but you know, for those that listening that don't know, his brother played uh, division one at Miami of Ohio was about to play pro this year, but COVID, he signed with one team in the East Coast League. They decided not to play. Signs with another team in the East Coast League. They also decided not to play. So Grant decided to hang him up, but unbelievable hockey player, great defenseman. He overcame so many so many different things, that trials and tribulations, and went through adversity and kept pushing through and wound up playing four years Division One, which is unbelievable. But how important or, or how much do you think that having an older brother to push you made you a better hockey player? Yeah, I mean, 100%. Like, I've looked up to him uh, pretty much my whole life, or my whole life and still do. Um, but, yeah, like, he kind of went through everything before me. A uh, little bit of different paths, but pretty similar on uh, the sense of playing junior. Got to play juniors against them and then playing college. We never got to play against each other, but we're always doing the same things. And, um, you know, he pushed me at times when maybe I was lazy. And uh, I'd like to say I pushed him, too at times, but he's a pretty hard worker. So, um, but it's good. Like we feed off each other. We call each other after all, most of our games um, and just kind of talk about hockey and all that good stuff. So all credit to him. Does he ever like, 
call you after a game now and be like, Hey, I saw this. Do you guys talk that way? Or is it more just kind of like going over the game, just like not really looking for advice or or how does that work? Yeah. He gives advice. I mean, um, he watches, uh, even in Providence, uh, at Wisconsin NCP and, and now he watches, I don't know if he's missed a game yet here. So yeah, he, he put, he like has pointers and stuff that he sees like that smart hockey mind. There's a reason he made it to where he did. It wasn't just, all hard work. He, you know, he, I mean, it was hard work. He watches hockey and uh, knows the game. So I take his advice. Uh, if it's small stuff, even like in a fight, uh, protecting yourself or whatever, like he knew, he knows a thing or two about that. So uh, there's definitely small stuff. Like even yesterday we were talking about the game and he had some good points like here and there of what stuff to do. So yeah, I listened to him and it's nice to have that. Uh, he's got the defensive mind for sure. So it's nice to have that. He's gotta be like, I've never seen grand fight. But I like, you know, you're the nicest guy in the world. I tell everyone that and people are like, why? Like, he's so tough, like whatever. And I'm like, Grant is the same way. Very, he's a little more quiet than you, but like, I can see in his eye that he's got a switch that flips. Like, have you ever seen Grant tilt? And and if so, like, is he up as you? Who would win in a fight? You or Grant? Don't lie. (laughs) I I mean, I've definitely um, lost more than I've won against him. So he's got the belt for sure. But it's been a little bit since we've, uh, since the last time we fought, I was actually telling someone not that long ago, the last time we fought, um, I don't know how old we were, but we used to put on boxing gloves, but this time we didn't get to him and we were duking it out in the basement and he's a lefty actually, but I think he got me with his right. He could kind of throw both, but he ended up getting me, he had these, uh, Yale Nike Bauer gloves from, uh, Jimmy Martin gave it to him and he was wearing those in the mm-hmm. basement. We were, we were fighting and I, I I remember watching it come in. There's nothing I could do. And that was it lights out. So that's kind of the last time he, uh, we really fought like, like how we used to. So he's got the belt right now. We'll see. Maybe we get a couple of pool fights in this summer and see, see who's boss. But right now he's got the belt. <laughs> yeah. Brotherly love. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Well, Trent, you know, you were a part of that infamous draft class uh, coming out of St. Louis. You had five kids drafted coming out of St. Louis in the first round. And so we got to ask you just about growing up because we talk a lot about youth hockey and and the do's and don'ts and the things that we believe in. And and the fact that five kids came up and I know you guys didn't all play together all the time at the same time. Um, But just what was it like? growing up in St. Louis, who were some of your coaches? I know you had some big time coaches coming up through there and like, what do you attribute um, so many kids from, you know, such a small hockey, it's not that small anymore, but a small ish hockey market, uh, you know, being first round NHL draft picks five. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had uh, my, my age, the 98 group had Jeff Brown who coaches from, I don't know how old we were, but from pre triple a all the way to probably U 16 or the year before U16. So we had him. He was great on skills and uh, just making us all better hockey players. But, yeah, we had a lot of – we had that five kids go in the first round. Joe Wool was a goalie. He went uh, really high for a goalie. And then Luke Martin the year after and Brady two years after. And so we had a – we all kind of played together at one point or were off teams playing up or playing uh, – Brady playing up or whatever the case is. So we all played against each other. And at the time, we were always really good. Uh, I guess we didn't realize that we all were going to be, you know, high NHL draft picks. But if I guess looking back now, watching the practices we had, they're pretty good practices. So. 
Yeah. So like, what were those practices like? Like, did you just focus more on skill stuff? Did you play a lot of games? You know, we got a lot of youth coaches that, that listen to our podcast and I'm sure yeah. they'd be really interested if you can go back and just kind of think of maybe some of the stuff that Brownie did, some of the things that he emphasized, how much of the practice was, you know, skills, games, all that kind of stuff. So can you take us maybe back to some of those practices? Yeah, I think um, like looking back now, like, I don't know if one time we ran a system drill, like, um, um, like maybe till I was like 16 or something. I don't, I don't know what system we ran, but it was all skill. It was all about crisp passes. Um, and like using your skill, not always, you know, he didn't care if you threw a sauce in the air, as long as you put on the guy's tape, you know, it was all about skill. Um, and that's kind of what he harped. And I think a lot of credit goes to him. I mean, I don't think five kids is that it's not by accident, you know, it's, he had a plan and, um, you know, it, it really works. So I would say, listen to him, whatever he did is, was pretty good. And how different Tof is that? I mean, Freddie, what, what birth year are you? 98. So he's in 98. Oh my God. That yeah. makes me feel so old, dude. Me and Tof are <laughs> 85. So like that just makes yeah. my balls feel even older and even <laughs> loose skin. Old, old balls, loose skin, gross. But like yeah. Freddie, when Tof and I were growing up and I Tof, maybe it wasn't the same when you had Stan, the Russian coach at for anybody listening that listens to us all the time has talked about, he was, you know, a forward thinker, but I remember like growing up, if you threw a saucer pass, like it was almost like, what are you doing? You don't care about practice. You're not trying, but it's like, all right, in a game, when I got to throw a pass over two sticks, cross ice, I'm going to throw a sauce, but I'm not allowed to practice it. And it was the same with backhand constantly coaches were preaching. Don't ever pass it on your backhand, but games in today's game. And and even in the last 10, 15 years, it's, you got to make that tight play. You got to be able to use your backhand. You got to be able to throw a backhand sauce. You got to be able to make a tight sauce to a guy who's pretty close to you. And so it's like, we were never allowed to, at least when I was coming up, make those plays. And now, you know, I hear you talking about, and I've been skated with Jeff Brown and been to his practices recently and it's okay. And it's even uh, encouraged to do those little things because you're going to use them in a game. And I just think that that probably is such a big reason that so many of guys your age have made it so far because you were practicing those things from, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old up until now. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of his big things too is like, is exactly that. And then it was always like high pace practice. Like we never really um, maybe a water break here and there, but never went to the board uh, like never did that stuff. And maybe that was cause we played together for so long and we had him. but I think his big thing was like, I know what eats him up is when he's at practice and he sees, uh, all these coaches go to the board and you only get maybe two, two days of practice in a week. And he, he wants to jam it all in and get everyone's, uh, parents dollar worth it, I guess, you know, and, and really get the full practice. So he was really good at that. Uh, I remember from the second we got on the ice, like, if our uh, if our sheet was at seven to eight twenty, we used every minute of it. So it was it was he was really good at that. So it was uh, all the credit goes in. But also we had good guys coming in the summer like Bex. I've never I think I was fifteen. I think I had a breakaway from like the red line in. He was at the hash marks and he back checked and caught and caught me. I remember saying, "All right, that's how you work." You know, like he definitely set the tempo. So guys like that. I mean, guys like Jeff coming back and skating with. You know, someone like me when I was 15, 16, like he didn't have to do that, you know, but he was getting better and he was making us better. Little did he know it. We all are watching uh, him very closely. So, 
was uh was, was vex taking slap shots at 13 year olds right past their shoulders <laughs> far down yeah, I, <laughs> yeah he he i mean i had the cage on but yeah he flew he he was a big clapper guy <laughs> the fake hey, clapper too you know, you know what's funny though is I don't know the if I ever through the legs. The clapper pass. Not, yeah. I, I just he skated with us one time this summer. He had the most skill play out of anyone all summer. We had wow. some good skates there too. I swear. I don't good know how you. he did it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Tope, That's honest truth. I'm not I'm not pumping Jeff's tires. It's honest truth. I won't lie though, Tope. That was like I, I skated with the with the pro group twice this summer. The first time I was pretty bad. The second time I was actually lights out, but I couldn't walk for a week after I was so <laughs> sore because I haven't skated in years. Uh, but you know what's funny is Joe Wall, like he talked about, he's one of the guys I train and, and he was always out there with Trent as well. And I'm very I'm known all over for taking in St. Louis for taking clappers at the hash mark on young kids just to like kind of <laughs> up like like it's real now. But I don't know if I ever took him on Joe Wall because I knew at 15 when I started training Joseph how good he was. And I was like, if I ever hit this kid like in the collarbone or the elbow or something and hurt him, I will never forgive myself. So I think I took clappers on everyone in St. Louis except for Joseph. Well, so geez, Joseph, maybe that's ball. the reason why he's the only freaking one that made it. <laughs> <laughs> the reason for the failures. Yeah, for all the other the goalies to make it. <laughs> I, I killed all the other kids yeah. <laughs> i got a good story for you guys so uh it's a brownie story so when i was coaching at cornell he was coaching in indy in the ushl at the time and i remember like it was uh indy was playing against the ntdp and oh man i think it must have been like a sunday afternoon game so there were like a ton of scouts there nhl scouts college guys there must have been 25 30 of us and uh indy got just smoked the the ntdp just absolutely waxed him in the game and so brownie's obviously pissed off after the game not a fun guy to be around I, I can imagine when he's uh when he's upset so we all go down to the locker rooms to talk you know to talk to the kids after the game and and stuff like that so there's like a ton of us there and some of us got flights we got to catch some of us got to drive three four hours to get to the next city like we're just itching to get out of there and he literally like sat in the locker room um, and we're all sitting outside the door and we just hear him reaming the team out for like 25, 30 minutes. <laughs> and, we're like, and then we're like looking at each other. We got to get out of here. Like, when's he going to stop? Uh, good man. I mean, he, he's done, he's done really well wherever he's gone. And, and obviously looking at what he's done with you guys in, in St. Louis and then moving on to coaching the OHL and everything like that. Like he's, he's definitely good, but he's, you know, hard is good. Hard is good. Yeah. You know? Tough love sometimes, but he, he really cares. And uh, he might not show you originally, but he, he really has a big heart and he just wants everyone to do well. It's so true. And something that I've always respected about Jeff is he's loved having older guys come back. And, and St. Louis, I feel like, has been pretty good about this ever since I started coming back. And I know that because of who Trent is and how well he's doing with the Bruins right now, probably a lot of people are going to listen to this. So any older players that are listening to this, I would urge you, like literally, please listen to this. I would urge you to get back and skate with the younger players. You know, it doesn't have to be like the nine or 10 year olds, but like, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 year old AAA players. If you played a high level, you can literally offer them so many things that they might not be getting because they're not being coached by a guy who excelled in the NHL, like a Jeff Brown or an Al McKinnis or a Keith Kachuk that, you know, Trent had had access to. So get back, you know, even if it's one time, you can give them so many little 
trip tick uh tips and tricks that will make them instantly better hockey players that they can use along the rest of their career. So, I mean, it's one of my favorite things. I remember, you know, skating with Trent when he was going to USA and he was a young kid. He was very, I was extremely impressed by his skill. It's extremely impressed by his skill. And what's hilarious is how skinny he was. And then he went to the program and him and Luke Cunning came back one year and two years later. And I was like, Oh my God, these guys are more jacked than I am. And I was really jacked. <laughs> And and so that That's just not true right now. <laughs> but that just proves like like you know the, how important those developmental years are. And I, and I would urge all older players that played high levels go back, give back to your organizations, ask to come skate. Coaches will o- welcome you with open arms because you can offer things that maybe they don't know. Amen. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. I was going to give you a uh, today, Junior, at some Jesus. point. Too that. much pre-workout. I just came from the gym, and I'm still feeling it. <laughs> uh, I like it. That's funny. That's well, Trent, uh, Jeff mentioned that you went on to play at the NTDP, and and uh, want to obviously ask you about your experience there because yeah, we've we've seen it. You know, being our age and being around the game for as much as we have, a lot of people kind of go there as boys and, and end up leaving as men and they make it mm-hmm. tough for you. You know, you had Danton Cole as a coach who um, another guy kind of like Jeff Brown, where he's, you know, he'll be hard on you and, and he'll tell you like it is and stuff like that. So yeah. um, but you also had that 97 group coming before you that's going to go down possibly as one of the top NTDP groups of, of all time. Um, so what was your experience like there kind of learning from that older group? And then also what was it like just as a total experience of you developing into the player that you are today? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was huge. It's um, moving away at 16 is definitely tough, uh, but they keep you so busy. Uh, you can't even get homesick. They, you're just going, going, going. So I think I, I think I went into the program uh, when I first weighed in like 173 and by the like halfway through my 17 year, I was like 205 or something like that. So it took me a little bit to adjust. Um, my 17 year, I definitely struggled and uh, went through, you know, the working out and did everything. And uh, I did everything hard. And, you know, eventually it paid off my 18 year and uh, I had a good year and uh, we had a lot of team success. And I think we had like, the, or we did at the time, I don't know what the recent years, but I think we had the best college record. So a lot has to do with, uh, Dan Cole and, uh, like what he taught us and, um, all the hard work he made us do it all kind of paid off. Um, you know, we'll have a successful team in the future. Like all the guys who moved on have done well. And, um, but it was definitely hard work, you know? So it was fun time. We had a really good group. I still talk to all the guys still to this day. We're doing a golf trip this summer, actually. So, uh, it's, two of the most fun, like some of the most fun years of my life. I say colleges now, but it was uh, two of the best years. That's really cool. That's really cool. And like, what, what kind of role were you playing there? Because, you know, everybody goes to the NTDP as the top dog, right? Uh, One of the best players on their team. That's the reason why you make it one of the top players in the country. And then, you know, sometimes uh, when players go there, they got to kind of accept a different kind of role, uh, as they're going in there and, and you playing in Boston right now, you're playing a, a shit disturber role to say the least, and you're doing an awesome job <laughs> at it. Um, yeah. so did you, did you learn some, like what kind of role did you play at the NTDP when you got there? And do you think that that kind of helped you, uh, mold you into the player that you are now too? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, my first year, uh, I think I was like the third, third line way or center for most of the year sometimes the fourth, uh, but never really was power play. I penalty killed. 
Um, and then my 18 year, I was pretty similar. Uh, never really power play was a third line center. And then towards the end of the year, uh, I moved to, I think the second line center, but never really played power play. It was mostly like the first Pelly kill guy, uh, not until college that I, uh, played power play. So, you know, there's a lot of skilled guys, like you said, like, uh, everyone's the best player on their team, uh, going into NTDP. And, uh, sometimes you just gotta, sometimes it's frustrating because you want to, you know, get the more minutes and the power play and all the points. But if you stick with it, uh, it doesn't matter what role you have. You'll, you'll be successful at the end of the day. So that's kind of my, that was my take from the first day to the last. And, um, you know, I think it, it was, uh, you know, made it, uh, still fun, even at times when it maybe it wasn't. So young kids, I really, really, really hope you listen to that. Trent Frederick, who's now in the NHL did not play power play in juniors. So for you guys in junior hockey, like he wasn't a, he wasn't, it wasn't a big power play guy. He wasn't a massive point guy. He didn't lead the team in points by any means. He's in the NHL, you know, four years later, he goes to college a year later and, you know, he lit it up. If you look up his college numbers, he was burying pucks left and right. So continue to get better. It doesn't matter what you're playing at. If you excel at that role, that's how you get more rope from the coach and move, maybe you move up a line or maybe you get a try on the power play, but sit Sitting and pouting or being upset, not doing extra work, not trying to get better, that is not going to help you to get you where you want to go. So I really hope you you young bucks listen to that stuff because I kind of went through the same thing. You know, I didn't play in the NHL like Trent, but I had my shot. I signed with the Bruins um, twice. I had two NHL contracts, and I wasn't a big point guy when I was kind of in that junior role until in college, medium you know, so it doesn't matter what kind of player you are. You don't have to only be a point guy to move on. Focus on all the aspects of the game and get better at all the aspects of the game. And that will help forward. Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. To me, USHL was uh, one of the tougher leagues I played in just because um, I think my first year I was pretty traumatized. I think I was like a minus 20, <laughs> maybe had like three or four goals, maybe a couple assists. But uh, it's crazy that the first year is the second year of like the, the gains and strides you make. Uh, obviously, when you do that, uh, you work really hard the next summer and you become a year older, you get stronger and, and uh, the confidence comes with all that stuff. And then, you know, it, it becomes better and it comes easier. But um, you definitely got to fight through it. I know everyone goes through tough times and, um, you know, it's, it's not easy to keep making the next level and to succeed at the level you're at. So you just got to trust the process and keep working hard. And that's kind of what I did. And, um, you know, it was fun the whole time I was doing it, the ups and downs. So. And how about like Dan <coughs> Cole's like role in that? Because you know, a little bit ago you were talking about how, you know, and typically most of the time, a lot of like the, the, the 17 team goes through a lot of struggles playing in their first yeah. year, playing juniors, playing the USHL, playing, you know, international competition and stuff. And you mentioned that he said, Hey, like, this is going to be good for us. This is going to be good for us. This is all kind of yeah. learning. Um, and, and, you know, in, in the youth hockey landscape now it's like hey we could ju we just got to do these things for short-term gains like we have to win this weekend we have to win this weekend yeah. we have to win this weekend you know and and you're you're kind of like proof that like hey like you have to fight adversity and you have to keep developing you have to keep getting better and then you saw those gains going from the first year to second year and, and how much of a role yeah. do you think Dan played in the in that yeah he for sure did I mean he he had the 96 group that was uh very successful uh, he had the 94 group that was very successful. So, 
you know, he, he had um, four years under his belt. He knew what he was doing. Uh, he, he had it down. So uh, he always would refer to guys like uh, that were in the past. Like I know he loved Dylan Larkin. Like he was one of those guys that um, I think he was like the fourth line center, his first 17 year. And then um, the next year he just excelled and Jack Eichel was still in front of him, but he became the player. And I think maybe a year later he was in the NHL. So he went from fourth line to, two years later being a, I think he was, what was he, he was an all-star game. So he was someone he used a lot as like reference and uh, would show like, you know, if guys are struggling, like, look, look at Larkin, he fought through it. And obviously not ever become a Dylan Larkin, but um, it's cool to see, you know, someone like that who was in the same shoes that, you know, you can still pull it through. It's never uh, too late. So. Yeah, for sure. And even, uh, you know, the 97 group right, right in front of you guys, we had Ryan Hardy yeah. come and speak at our conference a couple of years ago. Yeah, and, <laughs> and he was yeah, mentioning yeah. that 97 group, like they had Austin Matthews pegged as their third line center and Matthew Kachuk was their fourth line left winger. That's where he was pegged. And, and Charlie McAvoy was the last guy that made the team. Like the only reason why yeah. he was on the team is because somebody didn't want to go. And, yeah. and, you know, obviously all three of those guys are, pretty good at hockey and doing okay things yeah. in NHL right now. And, yeah. uh, but it is like, it's, there's so much room for growth. And one of my biggest pet peeves about youth hockey and even like junior hockey and stuff is that we put these ceilings on kids or we peg these kids into certain things that we think that they can be when there's so much more room for, for every kid to grow. Like you don't hit yeah. your ceiling at 16. You don't hit your ceiling. Even you, like you don't hit your ceiling in your rookie year or your second year, or even your third year in the NHL. It's the people who keep improving and keep working at their craft. Those are the ones that are going to continue to get better and, and, and all of that stuff. So it's, it's really cool to hear you talk about that and, and just your growth as a player from being there and, and how a lot of it came from, you know, working through some of the tough times where it wasn't easy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like we, but, uh, those are great examples. Like an example on our team was Adam Fox. I think he was, uh, eighth, like he was the, the last demon, like to kind of make it, he went to try out, had to make the team. Uh, he made it as the eighth demon. And now like, I don't know, he's I played against him last week. He's a heck of a player, but every year there was every level he's been to. It's always like, oh, I won't be able to do it in junior. Oh, I won't be able to do it in college. I won't be able to do it in pro. And now you see how good he is in the NHL and, uh, you know, he, he almost didn't make NTDP. He could have went a whole different route if that didn't happen. So it's kind of cool to see that. So. He, he is literally the smartest hockey player I've ever coached. Yeah. Against. Like we, we yeah. I played or I coached against him when he was at Harvard and you yeah. just watch the tape and you're like, I don't even, I don't know. Just, just hope he doesn't yeah. get three points tonight. And we beat him, you know, we score four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just don't get a penalty. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. something I love you guys are both saying is there's Toph saying there's no, you know, there's no ceiling, there's no age where you hit your ceiling and you're saying that, you know, Trent's going to get even better as the season goes on and into his second full NHL. And that reminds me of a guy who a listens to all these podcasts, who's also been a podcast podcast guest of ours. And he's a guy that I trained all the last off season is Paul Stasny. I think he's in his 13th year in the NHL. Maybe um, he's constantly finding ways to try and get better plays for the jets now literally like he'll message me and he'll ask like if i lift my ankles when i'm doing this squat this feels better is that okay for my knee is that helping me if i feel it through here am i doing like he's looking to find any way to get better and he's in his 13th year in the nhl or 14th whatever it's been he's been a two-time nhl all-star and he's still trying to find better and he's still getting better you know so it's like 
doesn't matter if you're in the NHL, you're in junior, like you think you're sweet, you think you're bad. It doesn't matter. Just get better. Keep continuing to find ways to get better. And, and something I want to ask you, Trent, now you're in the NHL. Are there any things that you're doing now that maybe you haven't done before, things you've done in the last couple of years outside of what you're doing at the rink to find ways to get better, whether it's video or stretching or watching something or talking to somebody? Is there anything, any secrets you got up your sleeve that, that you can maybe help share with our young bucks here? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, growing up, I honestly didn't watch that much hockey. I don't know if I was busy, but I just didn't watch TV. And you know, the more hockey you watch, the more you pick up on stuff. And uh, as weird as it sounds, like maybe instead of watching your show, you turn on the Toronto Maple Leaf Oilers game. There's always good. I mean, especially this year, there's good hockey on all the time. Just watching hockey and watching other guys, you you read off stuff. I remember my uh, my first year in college, I broke my hand. I think I was like 10 games, eight games in. I broke my hand and I was doing really well, like up to that. But like, you know, I was doing well statistically but I was playing like you know pretty good and then I I had to watch six games to get the broken hand and I actually watched the games really closely and you know see how much more time there was out there and all that stuff and then when I came back I was so much better because I just I never watched college hockey before that and I got to analyze it and watch it and learn you know what's open here what's open there and I think just watching hockey you're just kind of educating yourself I think all the good players in this league watch so much hockey it's they're just hockey nerds essentially is what what they are and they just it's their craft and that's what they care about so it's that's something i've been doing i've watched i pretty much watch all the goals in the nhl app i try to watch as much hockey as i can so very cool very cool well you mentioned college hockey you got the chance to go to wisconsin um very very interesting because uh, every time I mention Wisconsin, my heart sinks because they beat us the year they won the national championship in triple overtime to go to the Frozen Four in Green Bay, zero zero. So that was that was not a fun one. And uh, Sorry that, about that. that's okay. It's all right. It's all right. Maybe, maybe it led to you. Sounds going like you there. got over it. I'm, I'm way over it. <laughs> totally over it. Yeah. Um, but hey, maybe at the end of the day, you know, you went there let's call it, I don't know how many years later. So maybe the fact that they can yeah. say that they were national champions in 2006 helped, yeah. helped you to go there. Um, but uh, you got the chance to play for uh, Tony and Donnie Granato and, uh, you know, obviously heard a ton of great things about them. But Tony's a, a legend in, in the NHL and coached in the NHL. Uh, Don from, from everybody that I talked to is one of the smartest hockey guys out there. Um, what was your experience like uh, having the opportunity to play for uh, the Granato brothers? Yeah, um, I got both of them my freshman year. I was very fortunate uh, that I got to work with both of them. Uh, Donnie gave everyone confidence. Like uh, we had a we had a good team, but maybe not like uh, over. Like we weren't one of the most skilled teams in college hockey by any means. I think the year before they won eight games. The year before that they won four, and then they came in and I, I want to say we won almost twenty that year. But Donnie gave everyone confidence. He he's one of those guys that has a great hockey mind when he pulls you in he shows you uh, stuff that, you know, maybe other coaches or other people don't see. He was the same way, big on skill, big on like creating space. And um, that was probably my, one of my best years of hockey when I, when he was there, he ended up leaving to go to the Blackhawks my sophomore year, but uh, we still had Tony and uh, he, he's the same way. Great hockey mind, unbelievable person. I still talk to him probably once a week uh, we shoot text back and forth. So he's awesome. Um, 
I wish I could have uh, played four years of college and done what I've done at this point, but uh, I made the decision to leave two years early and uh, I love Madison. I love Tony. I, I would kind of do anything for that guy. So he's, uh, he's incredible. Um, I can't really speak. Uh, if you have the chance to go to Wisconsin, he's there. Uh, and you don't go there. You're, you're absolutely crazy. So that's all I have to say about that. Uh, if, if Cornell isn't recruiting you or Western, <laughs> thank you for adding Western Michigan. <laughs> Still crazy. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. So how was that decision to leave? Like that must've been, I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those things you talked, I've, I've been in those rooms uh, with players that I coach where they're weighing whether or not they want to go. They're weighing whether or not they're ready to go or not. They love playing in college, but it's the opportunity of a lifetime to go play uh, to, to realize your dreams. So take us into that thought process of making the decision to, to leave Wisconsin, to go sign with the Bruins. Um, yeah, so my sophomore year, we, um, we lost pretty early. Like we didn't make the tournament. I think it was like early March or season ended. Um, and that's kind of like, I didn't actually think about it, um, too hard during the season. Like, uh, I knew it was like a, a thing and people would always ask me, but I never, honestly, I was really just focused on Wisconsin. And then when the season ended, uh, I ended early and, I think it took me like a week or two to decide. Uh, I would talk to like Boston pretty much every day and my agent and uh, the coaching staff at Wisconsin and kind of everyone um, kind of agreed that I probably should move on and uh, that I was ready for the next level. Uh, I didn't necessarily want to leave college. It was like such a fun time. I had great friends there and great relationships and wanted to play for Tony and wanted to win at Wisconsin. But just for myself, it was, the best uh, decision to make the NHL. And that was, you know, my goal, um, you know, my whole life. So when the opportunity presented itself uh, and everything was, uh, you know, dealt out and everything, it was a uh, no brainer to go there. So I got to go to Providence. Part of the reasons I signed to is uh, I think I played like 30 something games that year and Providence still had a good amount of the year left. So I ended up joining with them and uh, playing, uh, I don't know, 15, maybe 15 plus games or so with them. I think I ended up getting injured at the end of the year, but played 15 or something games with them. So I kind of got a good start of pro before my contract started. So that, that definitely helped me a lot. Well, talk, talk a little bit about like, you know, one of the things that we talk about on here is, is how important your support system is. And, yeah. you know, without the support that you had from your brother, or your parents, and, and, and I've heard Jeff talk about how close knit you guys are and how great of a family that you have. Um, what was it like for you um, after you signed your contract, you know, you're sitting in there with your family and stuff, knowing all of the things that they did for you, knowing all the sacrifices. Yeah. Um, that must've been just a really awesome, awesome feeling, huh? Yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, I was still at college. Like I was still, um, at Wisconsin. I actually remember doing all the calls in my bathroom. I, I had a apartment <laughs> with like four other guys and I was like the only quiet place. So I would put the seat down <laughs> and I would make all these calls like with like the GM and my agent and, uh, my coaches and my mom, my dad, my brother, and just talk about all this, like the pros and the cons and, all that good stuff. So that, that part was kind of funny, but yeah, I had a great support system. And, um, it wasn't just up to me, you know, I wanted my parents to be all in. I wanted my brother and my family, uh, my agent, I wanted my coaches at Wisconsin to believe that this is the right decision. And, 
Uh, that's kind of what it came down to. And that's kind of where I made a decision in my, my bathroom uh, <laughs> at my apartment. So, <laughs> Yeah. Don't, yeah. Don't lie. Did you, were you ever taken a number two <laughs> into Boston staff? Don't lie, Trent. Don't lie. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't you know. I can't fifth. remember. Yeah. I <laughs> no comment. No comment. <laughs> oh, that's so but, funny. Well, I think yeah. one of the, one of the really cool things for both of you guys is the fact that you both signed your first contracts with the same team. And, you know, Jeff, it's, it's crazy. Like you, you joke about how, how, how much older we are, but there's still some of the same guys that are in the locker room, Trent with you today that, that Vex walked in, um, Marshawn and Bergeron and Rask. And I'm sure there's other guys that, that I'm missing. Um, but I've always been really intrigued with the Boston culture. Um, you know, you had Chara there and, and you got Bergeron and Marsha and all these guys kind of known to being just great guys. And, and it's not a secret why they've been so successful and they've sustained it is I think a lot of, because of the culture in, in the locker room. So talk to us, Trent and, and Vex, you know, it'll be interesting to kind of go back and forth with both of you guys years later, um, just about how you felt going in there, how you were welcomed and, and what the culture is like there in Boston. Yeah, uh, I mean, Jeff can probably talk about most of these guys. He probably knew them when they were younger. Um, I guess I'm getting them when they're kind of, uh, you know, they're established and they all have big names and made names for themselves. But, yeah, the culture here is amazing. I've never been on another NHL team, but I just can't imagine, like, that uh, the leadership in other teams is, like, what they have in Boston. Like, so many guys, like, we could talk about the guys who are letters are just incredible. Like uh, Patrice Bergeron, just an absolute stud. But same Marshy and these all these guys are, you know, shirt off their back type guys, and they really care care about you, and they create great relationships. They they care about you know uh, when you're moving into your apartment or just little stuff that you know that they go out of their way to do. And uh, when you're someone like me who's a small part of it, and they make you feel, you know, you know more like a big part of the team and even when you're maybe not contributing and stuff like that, it definitely makes you feel good and gives you confidence and makes you want to play your game. So uh, I can't give enough credit. I mean, I think uh, Cam Neely and Don Sweeney have a, they have a plan, you know, there's, there's a reason why they've been successful for, for so long. And it's, I think it's the character that uh, even the guys they bring in, they're always great guys. So it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty funny, Tope. I think, I don't know if it was your first NHL camp, Trent, or and we weren't even training together at this, at this time, but you were number 57 in Boston at one point, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. Tope, I, that that yeah, was my yeah. number in Boston. Yeah. Like, I have Same that jersey. jersey, probably. I know. That's yeah. okay. <laughs> well, I you bought, probably wore I, that thing. Dude, I had to find, I had to track down a fan to find that jersey that I wore in the seven preseason games I, I played in and had to beg him to pay for it so I could give it to my parents. So I, had to, I actually traded him for it. It was a fan in Salt Lake City who had one of my other jerseys. I think I sent him a Japanese jersey and, and gave him some money and he sent it to me so I could give it to my parents because I always wanted to give my parents, you know, an NHL jersey that I wore or whatever. Um, but yeah, Tolf, like you said, I mean, and Trent said, those guys are all unbelievable guys. Uh, I'm sure Marshy won't listen to this. So, he, you know, he will never hear this story, but like <laughs> the type of person Marshy is, I remember, you know, I had a pretty serious girlfriend, um, when I was playing with Marshy and we broke up and I remember like he came up to me on the ice and he's like, Hey, you broke up with, you know, so-and-so. And I was like, yeah. And like, he was almost crying because he knew like that 
it, you know, that was like really hard for me. And I was probably going through a hard time. And like, he literally was like almost crying, like talking to me, asked me if I'm okay. Like he's that type of guy. Like he cares about people so much that like people all the time. Oh, like he's, he's a shithead. All this, like, no, no, no. That's how he plays. And he's effective at it, but he's also got the biggest heart ever. And he t- cares about everyone. Like he's, he's a great dude. And I've told the, the story about Mar- uh, our Bergeron on the podcast before where, you know, I didn't really know Bergeron, but I went to camp with him and he went through concussion stuff at the same time I did. And that first ever preseason game, I got to play in Toronto after missing a year and a half of hockey. I was like embarrassed. I, I saw the program that had my name on of it. Obviously I just played the game and like, I wanted to give it to my parents. I wanted to keep it and, and like, say like, thank you for all your hard work. And you know, the last year of your life was really hard on them as, as it was on me. And I was like sneaky putting the program in my bag. I was embarrassed. I didn't want any players to see it. And as I put the program in my backpack, I thought no one was looking and I looked up and Bergeron's eyes were directly into my <laughs> eyes. And I was like, Oh my God, this is so embarrassing. And he's like, yeah, man, keep that. You earned it. Like, cause he knew what I went through. And and I was just like, for him to say that, like, I almost started crying because like, you know, I thought I was never going to play hockey again. And then there I was playing in the NHL. And it was just like, for him to not like chirp me or tell the boys or like, you know, throw a dagger at me. I was like, wow, like, that's why you are who you are. A lot of crying going mm-hmm. on in, in, in Boston. It's two stories. No right crying, there. no crying. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing Vex. No, no. I mean, I'm not a crier, not at all. I don't wear, I don't have uh, flowers tattooed to me. I'm not emotional. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Well, well, Trent, another thing I want to ask you too, just like being in Boston, you know, you've worked your way onto the roster here and, and you've earned yourself an awesome role within the team. And, and, you know, I have so much respect for people that do that, especially the type of role that you're playing right now. Um, just you're under the other guy's skin on the other team all the time. Like I call it old school tough. Like we don't see old school tough very much anymore. And I was actually talking about this with somebody yesterday, um, about one of the kids that I coached previously, like the, it just, the, the word throwback and old school tough, like that's what every coach loves to have on their team. And you need to have players like you on a team. And, and I so respect the, the job that you're doing right now. And, and I'm just wondering, like, what's your mindset kind of going into a game, um, knowing that what kind of effect you're, you're expected to, to have, uh, on your team win in hockey games. Um, and, and just kind of take us through kind of like your pregame, what you go through and, and what you're thinking about and, and what you're trying to accomplish out there on the ice. Yeah. I mean, um, kind of when I'm visualizing it, uh, I'm just thinking first thing is just get, when I have, when I'm skating, I'm usually making plays and, uh, and being physical. And I try to like always think about, you know, stick going through hands of someone going stick on puck and hitting them is kind of my, is what I like to kind of visualize. It doesn't always work like that, but you know, when you have a good stick and you're finishing guys and you're skating hard, uh, good things like tend to happen. So those are kind of my three things that I like to, uh, like put in my head and like mentally, you know, I'm, I'm skating tonight, I'm finishing, I'm, you know, having a good stick and then everything else like that, everything else, you do, you know, you, you do in practice all day and, um, that's stuff that just comes natural. But when you're just putting those three things in, you usually can have a successful game. So, well, here's a question. Somebody asked me, Trent, cause you know, you look at your college numbers, you, you were a sniper, you know, you, you lit it up and now you're playing quite a bit of a different role. I mean, you scored this past weekend, you got two goals in your last, I don't know, like 
eight games or six games, however long it's been, um, you're starting to, to get some numbers. And obviously it's harder to put up numbers if you're not on the power play, if you're not on the top two lines. So you've got to do other things, which you are doing. But somebody asked me, like, how does Trent know to like kind of play that agitator role? Does someone tell him? Did he just figure it out on his own? Did he realize, oh, I, I'm being success, I'm having success you know, playing this hard, getting under guys' skin. So is there somebody in Boston or the coaching staff that had to tell you to do that? Or are you just figuring out that you're able to affect the game positively? For example, taking Tom Wilson out of a game for nine minutes when he's one of their most effective best players. And, and that turned that game around in Washington. Boston wins the game. Tom Wilson doesn't play for nine minutes. Is somebody telling you, hey, Trent, we want you to do this? Or are you just kind of doing it because it's working? Uh, I mean, I think it starts like, couple of years back in Providence like in college it's it's a little hard. I was playing like you said maybe a different role um you're playing more minutes and you're still playing physical and stuff like that but when you were in the cage and it's a little tougher but you're still I was still kind of doing it and then when I got to pro when you start playing these teams I think we played one team 15 times last year uh you know guys start to hate you and you yeah I mean I think the team we played 15 times is when I was the most successful because they just play them. I play them hard. You know, eventually you create these relationships where they don't like you and you get guys off their game and it helps the team. So I've been like working my way to this point and no one's like ever told me this is how we want you to play. Uh, maybe a couple of times people told me to keep my gloves on, but that's kind of about the only thing I've ever been told. But it's just something I... I just uh, create my game. It's how I can be successful. And when I'm playing my best is like when I'm, when I'm playing like that. So. That's awesome. And, and talk about like the, the reception that you get from the guys when you're doing those things, you know, it's cause a lot of the stuff that you're doing to affect positive change in a game is stuff that a lot of other people either aren't willing to do or don't want to do <laughs> because it's tough. You know, you're putting yourself yeah. out there and, and, you know, I feel like, even like the star players on, on teams, when they recognize players like yourself going out there and doing those things for the betterment of the team and you're creating space for them <laughs> out on the ice with, with the way yeah. that you're playing too. Right. So like how, how cool has it been just, you know, coming back to the bench after a fight or coming back to the bench after taking a hit or just, you know, all the ways that you're affecting positive change in the game. Like what's it like going back to the bench and having some of those, some of those guys just being pumped for you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something cool. Like, um, you know, guys aren't necessarily, like, just come up to you after every play. You know, everyone's got their own job to do. But after the game, you know, guys give you bumps and uh, uh, stuff like that. So it, it's nice. I know um, – trying to think when uh, – one time we were on the bus and uh, someone came and gave me a beer and said, hey, you deserve this one after tonight. So that one <laughs> – that one I really – like, you know, it, it's something small. Like, you know, I'm – I haven't had a beer in two months, but I was like, I'll, yeah, I'll drink this one. You know, that's just out of respect. So, so little stuff like that always comes up and, you know, you appreciate and guys you know, appreciate you. So it's, it's nice to have that feeling. That stuff goes a long way. Like Vex, I remember you telling the story. I don't know if it was on the podcast or if we were just talking, but just how after you fought, um, in one of the preseason games that you were in, and I think it was Chara comes up to you and just gives you a tap on the tap on the shins and says, Hey man, great job. Like for a young guy to hear that, it's just, Oh my God. Like that's a memory you're never going to forget. Honest. I think, What's I, think that? I, a, I think I got a boner if I was being honest. Like I was like, Oh, <laughs> Chara just gave me a tab. You know, good job. I was like, oh, <laughs> bing, what's up? Let's go. 
<laughs> Doesn't take much to get Jeff up, eh? <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious. Well, talk a little bit before we let you go here, friend. I know Vex has some stuff for you too, but like you know, obviously my cousin here is very, very passionate about what he does, and and he's been yeah. able to affect some really big change um, on a lot of players like yourself that have gone up through St. Louis. Um, and then I would imagine a lot of you guys would, would, uh, you know, owe a lot to, to Jeff for the passion that he has for what he does and, and getting to you guys to where you are. So, um, you know, what's your experience been like, you know, working with him and, and, uh, maybe you can make him cry a little bit since obviously he's not, a <laughs> and doesn't have flowers on his, you know, Ooh, yeah. on his arm tattooed and stuff, but what's, what's it like working out in the GMBM, uh, uh, weight facility there. It's awesome. I give a lot of uh, credit to Vex. Uh, the reason I kind of have gotten a chance this year is I came into camp uh, really lean, the lowest I've ever been. I came in faster. That was one of the things that stuck out when I was at camp. And I actually wasn't, uh, I don't know if I was supposed to be jotted in the lineup to start the year. Someone actually got hurt and I've actually been able to play in every game since. Um, even with healthy guys back. So one of the reasons I, you know, I got that look is I came in, I did well, uh, all the testing stuff, all the body comp stuff. And I came in with more jump. I was faster. Um, and that's all to Vex. I think at one point I was, uh, I was a little too heavy in the summer and I was sending them all my uh, food I was eating. And uh, that's something, no trainer, you know, the only Vex can uh, text you back saying, Hey, like, you know, he's going, that's, you know, that's something you're not paying for. It's, he's just, he cares, you know, and he cares. And I think guys realize that. And every day we go to the gym, I would work out seven days a week. That's my, one of my favorite things to do in the summer is go in. Uh, we're just having fun, but we're also, uh, we're getting jacked too. So that's uh, <laughs> the big point of it too, but no, it's, it's awesome. Like I was telling uh, my brother, I think it was this summer. I was like, man, I, w- I don't know if I could live in St. Louis if Vex wasn't here. Like uh, I would probably have to go move somewhere else and train, uh, you know, somewhere else. So it's nice that Vex is here. Uh, my family appreciates him for sure. And I get to spend the summers in St. Louis cause I got a, a great trainer. So it's awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Excellent. You don't have to say anything back. Vex. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I can, I can, uh, I can attest to it. Like, um, Vex going the other way too. I mean, you have a lot of guys in your gym and, and you've trained and you've also, you know, been in, in the shoes that, that Trent's in right now and, in climbing the ladder to try to be an NHL player and stuff like, you know, I, I know for you, it's not a surprise that Trent's up there right now and is having the success that he's had. So for all the kids listening, you know, talk about Trent's work ethic, talk about what he does, talk about the way he takes care of himself in, uh, in, in, you know, his, his, his dream to, to play at the highest level. Literally 100% dedication is what I would say about Trent. Like that. And I, I only say things that I truly believe to be true. I don't ever say things that uh, I don't believe to be true. And, and there are guys who think they give a hundred. There are guys who say they give a hundred. There's guys who, you know, they, they want to give a hundred, but maybe they're given 95 or they're given 90 and at the NHL level to, to break into the NHL, let alone stay there. You have to be giving a hundred, especially in today, in today's game, in today's day and age, because everyone has a trainer. Everyone has a skills coach. Everyone has a sports psychologist. Everyone has everything. So what is going to be the separator? And for me, that's the ability to consistently show up, take care of your body day after day to recover 
and give 100, not a, not 99, not 98, you know, 100. And Trent Frederick has done that for the two years that I've trained him. Um, there's no, like little, like a little thing. I told him about toe separators. I was like, if we can get more out of your feet, that will translate better up the kinetic chain to the ankle, to the knee, to the hip. You'll be faster. All these things. Two days later, he shows up with toe separators. He works out in toe separators, warms up in toe separators. And for, for anyone who doesn't know, he's laughing right now. For anyone who doesn't know what that means, it's basically like those things that women get when they're getting a pedicure <laughs> and they like spread your toes out so they look like fingers. Got him right, I got him right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but Toph, I told him, I, like, I was like looking at his foot. We're doing, we do a lot of stuff with the foot and the ankle. And I was like, Freddie, I think we can get more out of your foot. Your toes are really bunched up this is something I want you to try. He wore them every day, the rest of the off season, every day. And all of a sudden his toes started to open up and that's going to get more out of the foot, which is going to get more out of the ankle, the knee, the hip, everything up the chain. He will do anything he has to, to make it. And that is why he is where he is right now. I truly believe that. And it's not because of me or anything like that. It's because he's looking to give a hundred at whatever he can to make that jump. And that's why he's been able to make that jump is because he gives a hundred. And, you know, for any of the kids out there, like you can't be afraid to fail. It's, it is a little bit scary to give your all your absolute all everything you can to something I've done it. It is scary, but you will grow. And even if you don't make it, you'll never look back and say, Oh, I wish I would have worn those stupid toe separators. I wish I would have sent a picture of every meal to Vex so I could get my body fat down. I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. You know, it doesn't matter what I ask Trent to do. If I tell him, I think it'll make him better. If I tell him to, you know, shave his butt and walk backwards in the gym all day, he'll do it. Like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like he will do anything. If we think it'll get more out of his hockey ability, you know, that's from the Samot. That's from a movie for anybody who doesn't know that, but like, he'll, he'll do anything. And that's why I respect him so much. And I truly mean that. Like it's not 99. It's never 99. It's always a effing 100. And that's why I believe that he's been able to, to maximize his potential and he's in the best league in the world and he's crushing it. Thanks Max. Yeah, bro. Get on you, man. Usually yeah. after those things, there's a little bit of an awkward silence either way. So <laughs> no, it's funny. I'm actually staring at my toe separators. I still wear them with these like Ufa sandals. They're good for you, but they're getting they're looking a little yellow over there. I probably need to get out there. <laughs> yellow. They're just like uh, they're like not great brush teeth looking color right now. Oh, <laughs> a little worn. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Toph, I think uh, we've had T on here for quite a bit. So Trent, we wanted to do something. I had told Instagram that uh, you were coming on today and I wanted to start something new on our podcast where it's uh, called Ask the Gram. So the goal here, I'm going to ask the questions quickly. I want you to try and answer rapid fire as fast as you can without thinking just a quick answer, just bang it out. All right. There's only about 10 questions here. All right. Got it. All right. I'll try to go fast. Who's this is from Weidman? Who's the best backyard pro, roller player you've ever seen? Al Weidman. <laughs> How are your nuts? They're fine. They're all good. Uh, what did Ovi say during the incident later after he stuck you? Did he say anything to you? Uh, no, no, nothing. Nothing no. I can repeat. What has been your favorite <laughs> NHL moment so far? Uh, the outdoor game. 
what mindset helps you play the high energy power forward style on ice? What mindset? Um, yeah, it's gotta be quick. Um, hard mindset. I don't know. I don't know mindset. <laughs> yeah. right now. I like it. <laughs> what was it like scoring your first NHL goal? Unbelievable. <laughs> I was like 400 pounds lighter. Unbelievable. <laughs> what yeah. cup do you use? Shock doctor. <laughs> best. I just dis- figured that out today. There you go. Cause you've had that question a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, best to smet hockey memory. Uh, making it to the state championship or the Jesuit cup. Winning the Jesuit cup. I think sophomore year. There you go. Any so good one. advice for U18 players? Uh, uh, keep working hard. You got a lot of hockey left. If you, uh, put in the work, that's for sure. How was playing quarterback for Desmet your freshman year? Uh, it was, uh, it was a fun time. Uh, I don't know how I did all my homework with hockey and football. <laughs> Two more. Is it true? Your little brother has a bigger horn than you. <laughs> Oh my God. I don't, who asked that? Your, your little brother. <laughs> <laughs> who I also have trained. Yeah, he's got a wrench. No, <laughs> and then the last one from a St. Louis buddy of mine. If I have a hole in my roof or I need a whole new roof, who should I call? Frederick Roofing, baby. Frederick Roofing, baby. There it is. And that, that concludes our first Ask the Gram. Thanks, Trent. That was good. That was good. That was pretty good, yeah. Yeah, that was really good. <laughs> natural. That's your first time. That was good. First timer. That's why yeah, we call him, Freddie. That's why we call him the talent of the podcast. Just <laughs> <laughs> along for the ride here. Vex, Vex. I didn't ask the questions. Those were the questions from the gram. <laughs> yeah, but you, two, you do two years you. at Western. You can still read. Two and a half. Two and a half. Oh, that's <laughs> two and a half. That is a big joke in our uh, in the gym when it's with all all the pro guys. You know, if me and Freddie can't figure, or if me and Freddie figure something out, we're like, yeah, we we could have a degree if we put our co- uh, combined schooling together. Him two and me two and a half years. So there we go. Well, honestly, if we just did a rock paper scissors, give one person the degree, it'd be great. <laughs> I don't know if it works like that. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, Trent, yeah. thanks so much for taking some time out of your day uh, to come yeah. and speak with us. I know we are really excited. I know Jeff, Jeff was uh, really excited to get you on here as well. And uh, mm-hmm. we wish you nothing but uh, success moving forward here in this crazy COVID year. But, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I know just from talking to Vex how proud he is of, of where you're at and you're going to continue to work your way into it. And, and uh, so have fun with those big bad Bruins there. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Frederick Fight <laughs> <No>. Club. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I was always waiting for my invite from Vex. He's always talking about it. But uh, <laughs> I officially got it. I was pumped. So thanks for having me. All right. Good stuff. Thanks, man. Uh, thanks. Appreciate it.